0: does being fit mean to you? My guest today is an author, psychotherapist, and entrepreneur who is passionate about teaching people how to cope more effectively with life's varied challenges. She loves to find innovative and fun ways to learn more about mental health, and more specifically, how to cope with it. She recently released her first book titled Conscious Coping. Please welcome Lori Sharpage, founder of Flourish Psychotherapy.
1: Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I am
0: Thrilled to have you on to talk about this new book. Perfect timing with Mental Health Month. Yes, in May. I don't know about you, but lately it's felt like every month for me has been Mental Health Month. <laughs> <laughs> yes, lots going on. Yeah. Um. So I'm really excited to to hear more about your work, and specifically, I loved this idea that I saw about um, coping as the ultimate form of self-care. Yep. And we talk about self-care on this podcast all the time. I love to hear how people take care of themselves. I will ask you later on in the conversation how you like to take care of yourself because right now people could think of self-care and they're like, oh, a bubble bath and a face mask and a massage and like, sure, all of those things are great, but I love to hear about like the things that you have to do to ensure that you're showing up as the best version of yourself. Yes. And I really never thought about effective coping as self-care but it but it absolutely is it's kind of like actually everything
1: yeah <laughs> it's it is kind yeah of like yeah totally. the essence
0: of <laughs> self-care like yeah. great self-care so I know we'll have a lot to talk about and this is like a, a topic that is hitting really close to home for me these past couple of years and I've shared a lot of this my experience on the podcast with yeah. my listeners but have gone through some pretty um traumatic and like dramatic life events. I lost my younger brother in a motorcycle accident oh, a few Saturday years ago. Hit. Yeah. yeah um, went through a divorce last year, following an eight-year relationship, yeah. had a stressful job. So there's been lots of coping yeah. <laughs> happening for sure. over here. And I know people listening, like even if it's not as dramatic and traumatic as those events, like everyone right now yes. is in need of some help coping. We are all coping.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You are so right. So, my kind of as a psychotherapist, I spend so much time teaching people just how to pay attention to themselves yeah. and how they learn how to cope. And I think one of the frustrations many of my clients have had that I have had, I think many of us have had, is that like there's not a guide. No. <laughs> there's not like a like open this up and this is how you cope. Oh, just, I wish. Yeah, right? I mean, it would be a, it would be a game changer. I wish but that just doesn't exist. Mm -mm. And the reason why it doesn't exist is because coping is deeply personal. Mm. How you cope may not be the same way that I cope. No, probably not. How you cope effectively in one situation may not be you coping effectively in another situation or even more in certain domains or environments. There's all these moving pieces. right? And so I can't just tell you how to cope. Right. That's not going to work. Yeah. But I think a lot of us are looking for
0: that. Oh, I mean, I can remember, like, the the early days after my brother died, I remember just being like, give me a guidebook. Mm -hmm. Give me a 30-day plan, a 60-day plan, a 90-day plan. Where should I be? What should I be doing? How should I be feeling? Like, just... Someone give me a resource guide. Like, yeah. of course, like that. I mean, there are resources out there, and just like hearing other people share their experience, sure. like that was very helpful. But I wanted this, like, step by step, like, this is what you need to do.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, in the when we're faced with challenges like that, particularly when trauma and grief get invited to the party, yeah. <laughs> there is you are in the abstract of abstract Mm -hmm. i mean it is it is look i tell people all the time i have the education in this i have the motivation i have the support system to live my best mental health life I still struggle with it. Of course. And I still struggle with it because it is very hard and it takes a lot of energy to stay on top of coping effectively with all the things we have to cope with. Yeah. And I think one of the benefits of the pandemic, and I know that probably sounds weird to say, but I think one of the benefits is I think it's given us permission to look around and say, oh, it's everybody. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. It's everybody. You know, um, prior to the pandemic, there was still a lot of resistance to people really owning and and acknowledging their own personal mental health. Yes. And and this focus on like, well, that's other people. You know, that's Mm -hmm. people with depression or people with generalized anxiety disorder Mm -hmm. or schizophrenia or whatever it is. And I think now, because we've all been through what I believe is going to be, you know, a shared trauma through this experience, this collective trauma, which means there's great opportunity and I hope we can learn from it. And I think one of those ways is that we can say yeah, this is everybody. And everybody has these challenges. And it's really not about diagnosis or treatment on a day-to-day. Now, that is an important tool. I Mm -hmm. mean, I myself have utilized therapy and medication for my own chronic depression and OCD for Mm. years, and it has been a super effective intervention for me. But it's just raised my baseline enough so that I can learn how to actually cope with this, how to actually show up in such a way that I'm not getting this backlog of things that I haven't yep. dealt with, which is I think the way a lot of us were living prior to the pandemic. Yep. Because one of the things we don't talk about is just staying super busy, is just avoiding everything. Oh, that was my that was my favorite favorite oh, favorite yeah. way to cope. Yeah, me too. Yeah, we were saved. Like that was that was the best. Fill thing. up my schedule. Yep. I don't have to deal with it. But the thing is, you do have to deal with it. Oh, yeah, eventually. You're just kicking that can down the road. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and oh, and, yeah. and then that can gets like like that. I like to liken it like a knot. You know, if you first notice the knot and you work to untie it, it might be hard. You wait for six months, all of a sudden that knot's a whole different thing. You don't know where the start, you don't know, a know full where the end. Mental is. Breakdown. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And so I think, you know, again, I think the focus so for so long has been on pathology, on the doom and gloom, on um, even you know, on the other end of the commodification of self-care, yeah. you know, just do a face mask, which is great. Don't get me wrong. I love a face yes, mask. Yep. But there's so much more. And the reason why there's so much more and it's hard to talk about is because again, what's more for me may not be more for you. And it changes throughout our life cycle, yes. too.
0: Yes. I mean, it is very much like self-care, right? Like what makes me feel good and allows me to show up might it likely is not the same thing that's gonna do it for yeah. you. And what I've found, which it seems I'm like surprised, but I don't know why because this is true in like every other part of my life. Like, what worked at one point, or like what was really getting me going, or a routine that I loved made me feel good, doesn't last forever. No, and that's okay. And I used to like be like, oh, I wish I could get back to that routine. Like, why can't I? And I would try to pick it up and it just wouldn't stick. And finally, I just kind of got to a place of like, okay, well, that served me then. And now it's time to find something new and I don't have to have a judgment against myself over like that I lost it or that it fell by the wayside or whatever. Like I'll step into something new.
1: Yeah, no, totally. But I think this is practice. something, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. It's an ongoing, you yeah. know, I invented the framework and even today I was like, all right, let's use it. It's time. Um, it is It is definitely an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing investment in your mental health. And I think we have had for a long time this idea that, you know, everything, it should be a one size fits all mm-hmm. model. And it and it just doesn't even work. And yeah. the more you try and say, this is what I should be doing. This is what this should look like. <sighs> the more you're actually piling onto your coping plate (laughs) because again, you're not dealing with the issue at hand and then you're adding in the lovely bonus of being a jerk to yourself. So, Mm. you know, it's just, it's, it really comes down to this idea. um, Conscious coping is really my best guess on how we take a step back, Mm. look at our coping from the full picture and try and make intentional coping decisions that progress us forward versus holding us back or even pushing us backwards. Yeah, Yeah. So my best example for this is, you know, you get angry. Something happens and you're angry. We all get angry. It's something that happens. And I think a lot of people are uncomfortable dealing with anger. So there's a couple options. Option number one, you could go and maybe, maybe, you know, taking a walk helps you blow off steam. Mm -hmm. Go be by yourself, take a walk. Maybe that's an effective choice. Option number two is you punch the wall Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Mm -hmm. you end up in the hospital and, well, now we've got surprise medical bills, we've got more stress, we've got more challenge, and it really does come down to how you chose to handle that in that Mm -hmm. situation. Now, I want to be clear Mm -hmm. that sometimes we need to punch the wall to realize that punching the wall is not the thing that we need to do.
0: Yes, I like that. Yeah.
1: I like this idea of like maybe we didn't make the right choice, but we can give ourselves
0: grace and learn from totally. it. Totally. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and sometimes even if we have been taking a walk for a while, you know, we may slip up and punch the wall. But that's that's not the choice that is going to progress us towards what we want, mm-hmm. which is really to be able to say, okay, I'm angry. And I need to deal with this, and I need to process this, and I need to release it mm. because there's mm-hmm. more going on. Yeah. And I got to kind of shift my focus back. Yeah. So I really wrote this book as kind of a reflection of a lot of the work I do with my clients, a mm-hmm. lot of the personal journey I've had through my own uh, growth and experience of trauma and uh, mental health challenges. And I think I it kind of surprised me when it all came together, you yeah. know, the book... Because at the end of the day, I really do think it is about that ultimate investment in your self-care, that ultimate it, act of um, prevention and really mental health hygiene.
0: Yeah. No, you, you're right. And um, I want to I, I want to take a step back and hear a little bit more about your career story and, and yeah. how you got to this place. But before I do that, I, I just had this thought when you were kind of saying like it's an investment in yourself and and I can tell when I am coping in a way- that is taking care of myself Mm -hmm. and when I am coping in a way that's not taking care of myself and when I'm doing it and I know that it's, this is not like serving me well, it's serving me in the the moment that I want it to as a distraction Mm -hmm. or as a
1: numbing, numbing, Mm -hmm.
0: all, all of those things like that is happening. Yes. For a quick minute, a quick couple hours, whatever it is, but it always leaves me feeling worse. And what I'm really left with is this feeling of letting myself down. Yeah. Because I know that I'm not taking care of myself. Yeah. And I'm intentionally doing it. Yeah. And I recently like had this kind of experience with, with drinking where like I am a social drinker. I love to go out. I love to have fun when the, and I know when the intention behind that drinking is to be social Mm -hmm. and to celebrate the sun and to celebrate part, whatever, like I know when I'm doing it for that reason. Yeah. And I know when my intention is to be like, okay, I'm drinking because I don't want to feel this. Yeah. I want to numb out. I want an escape. Yeah. And I had noticed that like my drinking intention was leaning more towards that part. And so much to a point where I was just like, I I can't let myself down like this anymore.
1: I think that's such a, a great example, Chrissy. And I think that's, you know, I think that's a journey that a lot of us face in our relationship with alcohol. Yeah. Um, and I think there is something so powerful about being able to say, I can hear myself oh, yeah. when I'm doing this. Oh, I know. And I know. <laughs> I can't hide and that's from me. the piece Exactly. And that's the piece that, you know, I really want to highlight to people is like, pay attention, you know, and it is abstract. And so I came up with this model and these steps to do it. But ultimately, this is really about getting to know yourself, yeah. talking to yourself, being with yourself. Um, allowing yourself to be, you know, cope in whatever weird ways you need to cope, and oh, yeah. and and just being okay with that but also knowing how to hold yourself accountable. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I'm somebody, I love my rare bourbons. It's like one of my great joys in life. Um, But I have had to, at myself, at times say, you know what, that's not the coping skill right now. You know, that's that we need to put that one off to the side and I need to do some other things. There are other areas that I need to develop. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the other things that happens for a lot of us is we get stuck in these coping ruts. Like Mm. we'll use that same skill over and over and over Um, and it just loses its efficacy. Yeah. You know, if you're just reading, reaching for one thing, it doesn't work. You got to have a diverse toolkit. Yeah. And this comes, I think a lot of people like that clicks for like alcohol or watching, you know, binge watching Netflix, Uh things of that nature. But it can also be true for things like exercise, you know? I mean, if you're only running and then you hurt your knee and you can't run, you've set yourself up to where like. Now, what are you going to do when you get anxious? Now, what are you going to do when you're upset? Or you just need to go out and clear your mind. And so it's so important to have a diverse toolkit. I love that, And to really be mindful of what tools you're using and use them with intention. Mm -hmm.
0: Hey, listeners. I've got something fun for you. It's time again for a What The Fit Live. And this time around, we're doing it big for Pride Month. And it's a free event. On Thursday, June 16th, join me for a live podcast episode recording with big star Megan Mitchell, anchor and reporter for WLWT at Queen City Radio. Megan is a top TV news personality and seriously TikTok famous. I'm so excited to chat with her and I'm so excited to have you join us for the show. If you've never been to a What The Fit Live, now's your chance. There's so much fun. It's a great chance to spend a summer evening outside sipping cocktails, listening to cool conversation. If you're able to join us, please RSVP via the Eventbrite link so we can plan for seating. You can find the link in my Instagram bio at What the fit Podcast and in the episode show notes. Queen City Radio is one of my favorite bars. It has an amazing outdoor patio, which is where we'll hold the live event. So grab your girlies, grab your guys and come out for What The Fit Live with Megan Mitchell on June 16th at 6 p.m. Hope to see you there. Let's talk a little bit about about you and your career story. So, how yeah. did you get get into all this to begin with?
1: So it's so I'm just I'm I'm very lucky this week because a lot of things are are coming into focus for me. This mm. writing this book was a childhood dream of mine. It
0: was oh like, yeah! Oh my gosh!
1: So like this week it came out and it was it's just it's blowing my mind. It's like this is so freaking cool. Yes. I, um. Yeah. So, so, this was always a dream of mine before I knew I wanted to become a therapist for anything, this is a kid. This was something I wanted to do. So it's really exciting I'm here. Um, the story, the impetus for how I got to here, though, starts with uh, a, a really traumatic event that happened to me and my family. Uh, when I was twenty years old, my father completed suicide,
0: mm.
1: and that was in two thousand five, and nobody really talked about suicide. yeah nobody talked about trauma, yeah. which is like, it's almost mind boggling. It's hard for me to really reflect back on that reality, but like nobody was talking about it. So in 15 years for us to come from a place of like, we we don't talk about those things to now them being, you know, hashtags on social media, much more of an emphasis of people being able to say, this is who I am. This is what I struggle with. And that's okay. That to me just reflects a huge amount of growth in our culture. And I think that is part of this story too. Mm -hmm. Um, I was 20 years old. I was a junior in college. I oh, didn't know gosh. anything about anything. Yeah, no, I hear that, yeah. But because I was a junior in college, I thought I <laughs> you did. Thought you knew everything. <laughs> I was yep. like, I got this. Yep. And what happened is I spent the next five years of my life um, very ill. I was very ill, but I was also very functional. Oh, yeah. Extremely functional. Yep. Um, to the point that any time I would have those moments of myself where I would kind of be like, Like, is it, should, should I be, you know, crawling into my bed for 13 hours, you know, at the end of the day, just to try and get whatever energy I can to get back up and do it again? Like, is that, is that, is that how I want to live? Is that, you know, all there is for me? I would just be like, oh, let's fill up the schedule some more. Oh yeah. No, I did. I did the same (laughs) thing. Let's just not even deal with it. And when I was 25, I got laid off from work. And all of a sudden, my super busy life was totally empty.
0: That's how I fought with the pandemic. yeah, so my brother died in twenty eighteen and then twenty twenty <sighs> yeah, the pandemic
1: came, and I was like, "Oh, oh man,
0: what here it is yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, and it it was it Please was give me all the burnout. I'd rather feel <laughs> burnout than feel the pain of grief. <laughs> it is tough, I mean grief, even as therapists like. There are a lot of therapists who are like, I don't know, grief Grief work is tough. And that's not to discourage anybody from going to therapy because there are great therapists that do great work for grief. But the truth is is with grief we sit with it.
0: Yeah. We allow it to be. We the can't awful control truth it. Of
1: it. It's just it's just the reality. Yeah. And and that that is a challenging thing. And I think a lot of us run from that, you know. Um, you talked about earlier, you know, kind of you wanted the steps, the you know, the action mm-hmm. steps, the thirty day, sixty day. Yeah, I remember being twenty years old, talking to my therapist and being like, um, I've got a week off of school, let's get this grief done. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is absurd. I had the thought. And this was more of like
0: a, a kind of like a denial piece at the very beginning, where I was like, oh, this is going to be really disruptive to me for a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Like that. I hear that.
1: That's I hear that. But so I actually much. thought, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a, little, oh, I have oh, to yeah. deal with this for a little bit of time. Just a little bit of time, and then, and then I'll just pack it up and, and, then and move on. And yeah. Then, then what? But isn't yeah. it just
0: an amazing how yeah. your brain like protects you and operates like during those like very, oh, early- it's, it's
1: astounding. It's and that's crazy. And that's part of what's so incredible about humans and about coping. Mm-hmm. We're all coping all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not like I have to go tell you how to cope. You're coping. The question is, are you coping effectively? Yeah. Right. Right. right that's right. the key difference. And our brain has the amazing ability to shield us from really intense, acute pain mm-hmm. And when we've been traumatized, there are things that happen to our brain that we're just starting to understand on a scientific level. But one of the biggest is life just keeps moving right. on. Yes. And somehow you're supposed to keep up with that. Yeah. And so I certainly I have a lot of compassion in you in that story and a lot of compassion when I think back to my 20-year-old self, even though when I first remembered that writing the book, I thought, oh my gosh, what a fool. I know. <laughs> Walking into their therapist office, being like, give me a checklist. Yeah. But you know, the that, next week I had someone come in and ask me for the same thing and mm-hmm. I was like, it's not just me. No. It's no. tough. Yeah. It's a tough thing. Yeah. And so so I was I was kind of left in the middle of all this stuff that I had neglected for five years. Mm-hmm. And I am so grateful because I had an amazing support system and I had access to good care. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that made all the difference. Yeah. I got in with a good therapist. I started taking medication. I started mm-hmm. to understand that while, you know, this trauma happened to me when I was 20, I probably am one of those people that's had a chemical imbalance all my life. Mm. And when I started to take medication, all of a sudden I was like, Oh, there's a there's a different way to kind of live and to be. And it's gonna take a lot of work, but that's what I want. Yeah. I don't I don't want this anymore. Right and it took about a year for me to get myself healthy enough to kind of decide what to do next mm. and uh one day i in the middle of, of like tears and confusion and i don't know what else i turned to my husband and i said i think i just want to be a therapist yeah. <laughs> wow <laughs> and he turned to me and he said go do it and i did wow. so this was a la- this was la- later in life yeah yeah wow. it was my second career i started off doing market research and um, that's where I was laid off, and I um, I decided I wanted to do something else, and I wasn't sure what that was. And one day, it just kind of came out of me. And so that's what I went and did. I that's got my amazing. master's from Northern Kentucky University. I had an amazing experience there. Um, and, and since then, so I've been doing clinical work for about 10 years. Um, I've owned my own group practice for about the last five years.
0: Wow.
1: And my passion really um has been helping other clinicians find their voice being able to find out how they can take care of themselves and do this work because yes. burnout in our profession is
0: I mean I can't um I cannot imagine it's sitting tough. with people all day and like absorbing everything that they're going through and then ref- like reflecting it back to them and like helping them work through like that would be exhausting.
1: Yes, yeah. I mean it is it is a job that we make a lot of sacrifices to do. And of course, you know, when. It, anytime I see a therapist on a movie, I'm always bracing myself because they make our job look very sexy and yeah. it's it's not. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's just, you know, we, we really show up and we work hard. We work yeah. very hard and we have to, as much as we work hard with our clients, we have to work just as hard to take care of ourselves so that we can continue to do the work. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't even handle my own shit. I can't imagine (laughs) listening to, you know. Well, you know, I think that like it is. It is. I mean, and the and the thing is, you never know what kind of day you are going to have. No, it is. It is a little bit like, all right, universe, let's let's go.
0: (laughs) I I started therapy back in March, um, which has been uh, obviously fantastic. Yeah, but like I had. Think back like a couple weeks ago. I kind of had like a bomb of a day, and like I walked, and I was like walking to my therapist on a Monday, and I was like, "She has no idea what I'm about to do. <laughs> like I'm, I'm just about to like blow up her day. I know it." <laughs> like, but yeah, how many like times does that happen? Where you just like come in and like here's a bomb, and you're like, "Okay, let's yeah," do this. and yeah. and we
1: roll with it, yeah. and 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 it truly is. I mean, it's it's improvisational. That is so much of what we do is just to you know be present with people and to to work these things through in the dynamic way they present. Yeah. But it is, it is a job that I feel like you, you need to be really called to do. So you know kind of like the therapist help for the therapist. Yeah. yeah. That's my big, wow, I, that's I love supporting other therapists. That's where the group practice has come in. Um, I, you know, there's a big push right now because everybody wants therapy about mm-hmm. really like, you know, how do we support this? And I think it's really important for clinicians and clinician-led organizations to have a big voice in that mm. because it's very easy for someone from the outside looking in to say, oh, we'll just see a few more clients. You know, what's a couple more hours of just talking to people? No, no, no. Clinicians get it. Yeah. <laughs> I no, think I some, mean, I don't even, some clients get it too. I yeah,
0: fully understand. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's everything that led me to kind of the psychotherapist and then entrepreneur piece. And then the book, um, like I said, childhood dream. Yeah. And I just happened to be home during the pandemic and had a lot of support, um, and was able to finally, I mean, I've been working on this project for years. I had bits and pieces mm. and it finally came together, uh, at the end of last year. And I'm, I'm so excited about it because I think it's just, I, I think it's a, a different way of thinking about mental health. Like we've talked about, yep. I think it's very accessible. Mm. Um, I intentionally made it so, um, but at the same time I do think it is challenging in the sense that it will make you think differently about, um, how you take care of yourself, how mm-hmm. you take care of your mental health and you know, what are the things that you're doing for yourself that are working and what are the things that aren't working yeah. and and being okay with them not working. Like you said, yeah. you know, wow, that, that really helped me for a long time. But It's just not doing it now, and that's okay. And that's okay, and let it go and make room for something that is. Yeah.
0: So you talked about um, like a framework. Yes. Is that how you think of it? So yeah, how how do you talk about conscious coping? So
1: conscious coping um, is kind of the umbrella term, and really what that refers to is effective and intentional coping, so paying attention. Within conscious coping, I've developed um, the EMBRACE framework, and that's a mnemonic device. And EMBRACE uh, represents the seven steps that – Um, I think are the essential steps that we need to go through to really you know, address a challenge from all angles. And you may not need to do these things all the time mm-hmm. um, and definitely not necessarily in a linear process, but because this is all so abstract, I found it really helpful to present it in a very linear, linear, <laughs> linear model. <laughs> um, and so in brace stands for E, engage, mm-hmm. which is about the relationship you have with yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I think
1: a lot of us uh, forget that we have a relationship with ourselves. Or we've never had that concept before.
0: For. Yeah, it's yeah. and
1: and and the really the, the it's problematic on a lot of levels but the most problematic one is it's your keystone relationship, you right. know? If if that relationship's not good, you're going to see that play out in other domains of your life. Yep. Yep. Um so engage is really about like, you know, how do you talk to yourself? How do you care for yourself? Mm. Um are you compassionate with yourself? Mm. Do you validate your mental health, which is a big piece Mm -hmm. of it? Because obviously Mm -hmm. you can't consciously cope if you're like, this mental health stuff isn't real. That's not going to work. That's going to be a problem. Um, So that's the first step. Um, M stands for monitor, and that's all Mm -hmm. about your energy levels. Okay. So... um, I'm really excited to be here with you today, but I am also restless in my body because this is, you know, different. This is yeah, outside my norm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I recognize that this is, you know, this experience right now is probably taking a little bit more energy, even though it is also giving me energy. So yes. it's, you know, just kind of paying attention to that. I think one piece that people probably are more familiar with when we talk about energy is that introverted versus extroverted mm. and how introverts tend to give energy in social interactions and mm-hmm. get energy in solitude, and extroverts tend to be the opposite. Mm. Um, now, that, of course, is a spectrum too, yeah, and right. there's amniverts, and you might find yourself very you know, extroverted in one setting or one domain and and less so in another. Yeah. So again, really kind of using that information but allowing a lot of fluidity with mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. It's also recognizing when your tank is getting depleted.
0: Yeah, that's that's something that I just never ever ever paid attention to up and probably until my brother passed away, where I was just like, I'm I'm going to ignore any kind of signal my body's giving me. Yeah, like no matter what it well, is, push through, push through. Yeah, yeah, of
1: course, absolutely.
0: I could, I didn't even know to like pay attention to like a feeling of like being tired or a feeling of, like, needing to rest, like, specific, specifically with working out. Like, I would just be like no, no, go, 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 yeah. go. Absolutely. Where I just had spent so long ignoring what was, like, going on with my body that n- now, like, these last three, four years, like, it is a constant practice. Yes. Where I have to almost, like, talk to myself like a child. Like, are you tired? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's... Yeah, I think I'm tired. Okay, well, what are we doing? We're tired. Do you, want, do you need to lay down? Yeah. Like, like, I have to, like, talk to myself like that. Yeah. Because I've spent, you know, 30 years not paying attention. Yeah,
1: totally. Well, I think it's great that you talk to yourself like that because I do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I Early in my career, I worked with kids, and I, I ne- <laughs> when I went to grad school, I said, I'll never work with kids. We'll not do it. Well, first clinical job, here I am working in an elementary school. And it really helped me understand that, like, If you don't learn this stuff when you're young, which I did not, most of us don't. And I think that is changing. I think that's shifting. I think there's more um, biopsychosocial kind of education happening in um, particularly in schools in Cincinnati, which is super exciting. Yeah. But if you don't get that at that age, it's not like you can't get it. You can still get it. Right. But, like, you got to go back in time. You know, Mm -hmm. you got to talk to that younger version of yourself to say, okay, like, don't just invalidate the feeling. Like, what's actually going Mm -hmm. on? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us, particularly high-functioning individuals, have been really – have really honed that skill of being able to push whatever is happening down and push through. And I think it's only been recently that people are starting to really be like, but, like, what's the cost of that? Mm -hmm. Like, really, what is the cost? And it turns out the cost is quite significant.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I can think for me, and this has been happening a lot recently because uh, people, and and when I say this, it's because I have not allowed this to happen, but like willed this to happen. they will be like, well, everything looks like it's going great for you. (laughs) You look like you always always have it together. You're so strong. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm okay. Like, what would it look like to you if I, like, how, like, I am not okay. You know, like, yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm like sitting here, I'm like telling you this, like, I'm not doing well. Like, what would it look like to you? Like that you would be like, oh, okay. Yeah. You're not okay. Like, what would that look like? Like, yeah. do I need to set my house on fire? Do I need <laughs> to shave my head? Like, what, like, I don't know any other way to be except like the way that I am. And it's like, so that is like really cost me like, connection and like vulnerability with people. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, that would shut me right down too. Because the truth is, is that like, you know, I think we all have kind of that face we put on to go out into the world. That's sure. part of being human. sure. But I think that to make assumptions off of that face, because we all have it, is it really does. it? It ruins the opportunity to really say, okay, this is but, this is the reality. Right. Of
0: it. But then I think like okay well I I constructed this. Like mm-hmm. I like they think everything's okay because I'm leading them to think it's okay mm-hmm. and then like mm-hmm. in the moment when it's not I'm kind of left like happy, feeling like I have to like explain myself or be like no yeah. this all this stuff is going on like it's not all okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
0: so it like that has cost me that kind of like connection. Absolutely. Piece. Yeah. yeah. No,
1: I think that's really I think that's really insightful and it is it is hard to find that balance, you know, I mean, like you're a professional, you want, right. you know, we've been, we've been trained to be professional in a certain way. Um, I'm the
0: oldest of my siblings. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I need to take, make sure everything's okay yeah. and take care of people. Like that, it's just like every role I've played in my life has been like, yes, everything's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's even hard for me to be like, well, what does not okay look like? Yeah. How am I allowed to act?
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think that's a really good question. And I think that that really speaks again, I think, to the amount of kind of like conversation you have with yourself. Oh, there's yourself, a which lot
0: of conversations <laughs> happening with myself.
1: I think that's great. I think, I mean, I think, I think that's where it really starts because again, like, uh, there's no handbook, there's no, no rules here. And I think we're in this period of time where there's such an opportunity to rewrite how we talk about mental health, mm-hmm. um, how we take care of ourselves, um, and then how we teach other generations to do it too, which I think is really important because the truth is, is I think if you look around, a lot of the challenges that we face as a society right now really can not be traced back to some ineffective coping. Oh, like, yeah. you know, not talking about things. Right, right.
0: <laughs> and so is this the same? So we're kind of on this like um, monitor, right, for like energy. Yeah. So I, I saw... Somewhere Mm -hmm. recently, likely on Instagram, something about like coping or like experiencing trauma or just like high stress, whatever it is, like the amount of time that the brain needs to rest after that is similar to like breaking a bone. Like you need to rest your body, like you need more rest. So like that energy, it's taking a lot of energy from our bodies. Maybe we don't necessarily like perceive it that way because it's not like movement or physical activity. But I have absolutely noticed that recently because I've been trying to paint. Like, I've been so tired. Mm -hmm. Like, I will have to take naps in the day. I've never been a napper. And previously, I would have been like, why are you tired? You're not even doing anything. You don't, like, deserve to be tired. Mm -hmm. So, like, just keep going. But now, I've, like, even just, like, seen that small thing on Instagram. I'm, like, reminded, like, no, you are, like, your brain is processing a lot right now. You are going through a lot right now. If you need to take a nap, like... the. It makes sense. You need to take a nap, honor that, and take a nap.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I love that. And I think this is a space, too, where, again, we have been like, well, just push through. Just Mm -hmm. push through. And like if you had a broken bone, you would know, like, okay, I can't push through. Right but with your brain it is again so abstract and we've yeah. got so many messages and and i think also there's sometimes there's that kind of that meta emotion you know the feeling about a feeling of being scared yeah like what if what if i do really unpack this what does that mean right. and and how will i cope with that yeah and and those are big questions but they're big questions that you can ask yourself and you can answer if you're paying attention and taking care of yourself and i think again that's where that investment piece mm, comes in mm-hmm. i really i really like to encourage people to think about you know conscious Hoping, being the investment in, in really you getting to where you want to be with your mental health. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. You bring up the, the energy piece cause there is more research coming out around, you know, what does happen to the brain after trauma for a long time. Diagnostically, we have already had, we've had a, separate bucket for if you've experienced a trauma today for the next 30 days it's a different diagnosis acute Mm. stress disorder before at day 31 it magically transitions into post-traumatic stress disorder (laughs) um and and people are usually really surprised to hear that um that there's you know a diagnosis to that and i think it's because people don't recognize like there's Real neurochemical, neurobiological things that are happening yeah. in that period of time that we expect after someone's being tra- been traumatized, we expect there to be very real physiological responses. Mm-hmm. One of those being increased fatigue, mm-hmm. um, needing to rest, yeah. um, you know. And so this is this is an area where we're really starting to understand things differently. But our energy is very closely tied to our mental health.
0: Mm. Oh yeah, uh, yeah.
1: And and I think it is. You know, for me, I talk about in the book. I talk about red, yellow green flags? You know, what's, what lets me know that my energy is like right there. It's right where I need it to be. What lets me know that like, it's like, okay, something's up. And then what lets me know that like, girl, your your tank's been depleted for like a week. When are we going to the gas station here? You know, like, what are we doing? And I think that it's, it's again, giving yourself that space and your brain, that space to really say that like, these things do take energy. And while it's not as clear, as some of our physiological tasks, that doesn't make it less real.
0: Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So where are we with the? So
1: that's step two. That's yep. monitor. Mm-hmm. Step three is brief, and that's really about learning from others. So mm. um, conscious coping is, you know, primarily about learning from ourselves, but it's also about learning from others. So we do that through a couple key ways: the traditional way, you know, education, um, reading, settings like that, um, through our relationships with others. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get feedback and we also are mirrored back from um, you know, our relationship with ourself, which I talked about earlier, that keystone relationship. Often we learn a lot about that relationship from our relationships with others.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so that's really important to pay attention to. And then the final piece is um, meaningful psychoeducation, which there's so much good stuff, particularly on social media right now. Yeah. Um, my one kind of word of caution with that is, I think we all really like those bite-sized, like, 15 seconds yeah. and, like, whoo, it's all all tied together in a nice, pretty bow. Yeah, Be leery of stuff like that. There's no silver bullet. There's no yeah. quick fix. Um, yeah. But I think bringing in some of this, I mean, you've already talked about, and I've seen some recently, too. Like, you see things on social media. It's presented in a different way and the narrator's reliable, it can be really helpful. Sometimes it just helps things like click
0: into place or like you already knew this, but it provides a language. Yeah, yes. But the only thing I was to say, the one thing I will say now is I've clicked on, you know, several things related to like therapy, mental health, specifically, I'm like really into like attachment styles and relationships yeah. right now. Okay. So it's like flooding my feed and now I'm like, it's too much. Too much. Like yeah. I can't, like I need a break. Like I need a break from thinking about all You <laughs> all do. Of this yeah. Stuff.
1: I mean, and I think it's, it's okay to say like, okay, that w- that's enough for right now. Or yeah. like, you know, I want to come back to this later. Y- yeah. And I need to like maybe good. some time to like process and digest yeah. and like feel what that
0: feels like.
1: And... I think that's a huge part of it too. Yeah. I mean, I think the digestion piece, of and that's part of like why I broke it down into steps because I think there is a process here mm-hmm. of really allowing yourself just to think about things yeah, and that to be the work and that yep. to be acceptable yeah, as just the work of yeah. what it yeah. is. So, so brief is really about learning from, from others, from those around you that you know, and then other, other, um outlets. Mm -hmm. And then R is for reflect and that's about your emotional process. Mm. So how do you identify your feelings? How do you sit with your feelings?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Which that one always makes me laugh because I had a therapist once who was like, he's like, you have to sit with your feelings. And I was like, well, what does that mean? Tell me, what does that mean? You have to tell me. And he looked at me and he goes, well, you have to figure that part out on your own. Yeah.
0: For for a long time, I People would be like, I, I kind of came to this conclusion on my own. Like, I was really good about talking about feelings and analyzing feelings and discussing them. Wasn't so great about just feeling them. Yeah. And for a while, I was like, Well, how? Like, just tell me how to do it, and I'll gladly do it. I'm a, a great rule follower. Yeah. I'm very task oriented. Like, just tell. I'm. I will do it. Just tell me how to feel <laughs> these feelings. Yeah. And obviously, like that's not. It's just the that. point. That's, I'm, yeah. I'm doing exactly like you're doing everything. It is. Everything except feeling the feeling, yes. talking about it, thinking about it, whatever, yeah. analyzing. And so what I do now is, again, like, this, like, talking to myself. I will just, like, say, like, okay, I'm feeling sad. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling anxious. Like, I, I just, like, say that. And that kind of, like, helps me just kind of, like, sit. You know, we say sit with it. Or I, like, try to... um feel in my body where yes. I, where I feel it, yeah. which sometimes can be hard to like get myself to that moment. Cause that takes like a lot of reflection. Yeah. And usually if I'm feeling something, it's kind of like high and I, you know, whatever. Um, but that's another kind of tactic I'll use.
1: To be yeah, able. no, I, both of those are ones that I use myself too. And I think it's, it's really, you just, this is the part where you got to kind of dig in and try different things. Just and see, what, yeah. see what, see what, see yeah. what sticks, yeah. see what works, you know? Um, I think a lot of times we talk about, you know, the verbalization of feelings, which I think is really helpful um, for a lot of people, but some people, you know, literally they need to go dance it out, you know, yeah, go dance it out and oh, then come yeah, tell me that what too. you feel, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and if, and if that's the way you are, that's okay. Yeah. You know, yep. um, I, I find that if I'm really, really overwhelmed going for a walk or going for a drive, those pieces tend to help me shift a little bit more into understanding.
0: Driving for yeah. me lately has been, like if we're talking about like a new wave of self-care coping, like yeah. going for a drive, like that is it for me. Yeah. Like I will just, if I'm, if I'm in like a really, really low point, like that's what I need to do. I just drive like all the way East. I go South on 471 yeah and just like east. And just go.
1: I love it. <laughs> then I, then I love find it. find somewhere. You turn on I the tunes and like just, yeah, I love it.
0: And I like. Pull off an Anderson turn around and <laughs> to come, come right back. back.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I love it. No, I think that's so great. Yeah, I I do talk about in the book. I give an example of kind of my emotional process, which is a kind of an amalgamation of what you just talked about with like yeah. acknowledging it and then also doing some visualization, understanding where it comes from the body. Um, I just happened to learn this from my therapist. I wish I could say you know I've, we, I've tried a bunch of different things. One day she she walked me through this process and I was like, that's it. That's it. That yeah. works. That that works great. Um, and it's been when I've talked to a lot of my clients and some of them love it and some of them are like, nah, it's not for me yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. But again, I think you, with the emotional process stuff, you just have to try. And I also think that like, you know, your body will tell you, um, if you really can get to a place of really listening, um, particularly if you know, you need to move. Mm-hmm. Um, your body will tell you that like, it's, I feel very restless. Yeah, like, I, I feel like I can't be in the house. Yeah. I, I gotta, gotta go. I gotta go. Yeah. I gotta, you know, um, I, I was, I just recently got on TikTok because, mm. um, I'm trying to sell this book. I'm like learning a whole new world, <laughs> but it was funny in the months before TikTok. I really was thinking a lot about like, I was a dancer when I was a kid. I loved dance. I'm like, I don't dance anymore. Like that's I don't know. Maybe I should dance. I don't know. I'm thinking about this, and I get on TikTok, and they've got all these amazing dance challenges. And now I'm like, oh, I see it. I got it. This is what I'm doing. And everyone in my house thinks it's so funny because I'm just like always learning a new dance. And I'm like, moms
0: and her TikTok dance. Exactly. Like
1: I'm, I'm here for it. And I think it was just a funny thing in that I kind of had been hearing that from myself. I didn't really know what that meant or what to do with that and then when i got on there and was dealing with something so intense as like putting myself out there mm-hmm. it was like oh this is a fun way to do it yeah um and it's and it's really helped a lot so so yeah so i think that reflection piece is it, that is the part where you really have to go inwards and really figure out what helps you and there's so many different ways for some people it's journaling singing yeah. creating music listening to music yeah. talking to friends i mean there's just so many different ways to do it but the more ways you know how to do it the better off you are talking about that toolkit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that leads us into A, which is absorb. And that mm. really is about the toolkit. And so in my book, I go through a bunch of different kind of larger categories of what we would consider probably like coping skills or self-care uh, tools. But they really come down to some core um, core paths you can take. The first is accepting it. Mm. You know, sometimes we're just sad. Yeah. And we may know why we're sad. Sometimes we may not know why we're sad. Yeah, that's the worst for me. I,
0: oh,
1: yeah, I, I, I will
0: spend so much time like, trying to figure it in, out. Like, what, what is going on? Yeah. What is going on?
1: Yeah. Sometimes we're just sad. And, and it's okay to be like, I don't like that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, I don't like it.
1: But you can also be like, I don't like it and I accept it. Yeah. And so, okay, I'm sad. What am I going to do about that? Well, maybe, again, taking a walk. Maybe making a smoothie. Maybe... You know, watching some TV or having a glass of mm-hmm. wine. You know, if that's a healthy choice for you, yes. exactly. You yep. know what I mean? Like, there's that's the point when it's like, okay, now what do we do about it? So there is the acceptance piece. There's taking action, which is more of the ones that um, I just talked about, like the mm-hmm. ones we think about. You know, like going and treating yourself or. Face mask, everyone's favorite. Yeah, yeah. And then the final one is Making Meaning, um, which is really uh, based off of existential psychotherapy. Um, And existential psychotherapy really comes comes into play with the book because it gives you the ultimate freedom to do what you need to do for you. Hmm. It is your responsibility as the individual to make meaning out of the circumstances and challenges of your life. And it is through making meaning of those circumstances and challenges that we triumph and we find our best mental health life. Right. And so there are times in life when it's not just that we need to take action, but we need to take meaningful action. And for me, that was writing this book. Mm -hmm. You know, this has, I think one of the reasons this has felt so surreal this week is because it is a culmination. I knew I would do this after my father passed away. Yeah. And it took me 15 years, more than 15 years, I don't know, a bunch of years, 17 years (laughs) to finally get here to do it. And it is really a, uh, you know, an act of meaning making for me to be able to say these, this is what I've learned. And this is the really challenging thing that not only have I coped with effectively in the past, I continue to cope with Mm -hmm. every single day. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um,
1: And I have found a way to make meaning from it because I've chosen to be part of the conversation about mental health. And that to me is the piece that I think we often miss Yeah. in the middle of coping and self-care is it's not just about making ourselves feel better or making the emotion transition. It's about what are we going to do with this piece of challenge that's now part of our timeline? Mm. And, and we get to decide. Yeah, totally. It yeah. is It is you. That's what I love about existentialism. I know people are always like, oh, existentialism. I'm like, no, no, no. There's freedom here. Yeah. There is a total freedom here for you to do what you need to do to make meaning out of the challenges that you face.
0: And I I feel like I've done that without like knowing that is what I was doing and and I would you know, I don't know, just kind of like not create a story but like put together a story that like a narrative in my mind of like okay, this is what's happening and we don't know what the future is going to hold but it's giving you this skill set and it's it's giving you you know this uh, empathetic empathetic ability and it's yeah. it's connecting you to these these people or you've met this person through like whatever it like all of this is just kind of like adding to this colorful story of your life that will eventually like work out in a way that i want it to yes. and so i've i've told myself these stories in various um Forms and context, and it has always like helped helped me and like brought me comfort and like given me hope and strength to like keep going. Um, but sometimes I will like get cut up and be like, "Are you just like lying to yourself?" Oh yeah. Like the then like the doubt and the dark creeps yeah. in to be like, are, "Are what if you're just making wrong, terrible decisions and mistakes and choices, and like you're just like lying to yourself to like keep it going?" Yeah. But I think like that's the darkness.
1: It is, and I think I like, think that we all have that insecurity. I think particularly when dealing with really complex challenges, like coping effectively. Yeah. And I I think what's really, really important is again, like you gave it space, like you listened to it, but you don't have to buy into it.
0: No. And like, I get to be the one that chooses. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Like, okay, thank you critic. I hear you you, over there telling me that like, yeah, yeah, that like I'm making only mistakes, but like, guess what? I'm still here figuring it out. I keep going on. Yes. And, and I think that there's such, you know, it's so interesting to hear you say, you know, that you've been doing it without maybe the verbiage. I think verbiage and language is like the most important tool we have with mental health and we are still woefully ill-equipped with it. Um, and that's, what's exciting about right now. I feel like we're developing it, um, and, and learning different ways to talk about these things. But the truth is, is that meaning making has always been the last stage of grief. It is encoded within us to do this. Yeah. And Not everybody makes it to that step because it is it is a lot of work to get there, and it requires a lot of support to get there. But everyone can make it. Mm -hmm. We need to empower them with the fact that like this is this is what's on the other side of grief. And the hardest part of this is, and you know this, I'm sure, is like when you're right in it, like you can't hear that, you can't see that, you can't connect with that. And it is, I mean, that's when you really have to trust. Yeah, is that this is leading me somewhere and. There's going to be things that are going to come out of it that are going to be meaningful and progress me forwards because I am making that choice mm-hmm. while still allowing yourself to say, This is really hard. Right. Um, I don't want this. Right. Um,
0: I know. I, I, I thought about that for like a, a while, like in the early days of like, well, I would gladly not learn a lesson. If it meant my brother was oh, still yeah, here. Or, totally. you know, like I, I would, like, I don't want his death to like have a meaning because yeah. then it was like that was what he was here for, was then just to die so that like I get something out. Like that felt like so
1: transactional. I'm yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like
0: yeah. that's not really it. I think of like the relationship that my other two siblings and my mom and I have now that's incredible and like yeah. unbreakable. And I see, like, some other families with, like, lots of siblings and, like, they will, like, act the way of, like, bickering or, like, I'm not talking to this person for a while and, like, it's not anything, like, against them and whatever. But I, like, think about, like... Your family's learned
1: a different... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, it just is so more, like, precious and different to us. And so, like, we, like, thank Joe for that.
1: Yeah. Like, we thank my brother for that. I think that's a meaningful way that you honor Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I get what you're saying. And I mean, I think grief, oh, grief is such a... it's It's such a a desert almost, you know, of just like, it, it's hard. It's hard to think about all the different nuances mm-hmm. when you're in grief. Right. Everything is just, you know, I don't want this. I, I wish this wasn't this way. Yes.
0: You were like, it's like the one thing in life that like, there's no, you can't change it. You nope. can't get out of it. Mm-hmm. There's not, You can't throw money at it. You mm-hmm. can't talk your way out. And it. And like, the more
1: you resist it, the more intense it gets. Yeah, And it is just, I mean, I think again, it's, it's a challenge that, grief is part of our life cycle. It's built in. And I think that it's, you know, we have to honor its role in our life um, and recognize that it is very hard to cope effectively with. But that means it's so much more important Mm -hmm. that we try.
0: Yeah. Right. You know, going through the loss of my brother and then going through the loss of a long-term relationship, there was like a lot of parallel there with just like how I was feeling. Like I was absolutely grieving yeah. losing this person and this relationship that was so important to me that I love very much. And it was just interesting to kind of reflect back and be like, okay, well, I have this opportunity now. I'll definitely have the an opportunity at another time to like maybe think about how I'm coping differently. Yeah. Than the first. You know, like Again. I think
1: mean, that's so beautiful, Chrissy. That's exactly, you know, I mean like you're learning, you yeah, know, through that experience right. with your brother even though the loss of your relationship was different, yes. you learned about yourself, you learned right. about right. what grief is. And I think grief is another one where we think about, you know, we think about the big griefs that we experience in life, but we also experience real small ones. Yeah. You know those normal transitions and changes. Um and so I think we're actually all more well equipped to deal with grief than we realize. Mm-hmm. It's just we only focus on those big ones and not the day-to-day ones um, that present that are just a, what we would consider a natural, normal part Mm -hmm. of the human experience. Yeah. Yeah. So that's A. And then the last two are really fast. Um, C is capture. So basically, how are you going to remember this lesson? Oh, okay. You know? Um, And this is where I really like to encourage people to be uh, creative. I have little like pictures around my house or... Um, notes or um, even some jewelry that I have that's like meaningful Mm. um, that I will make sure to have out that I can see or that I can wear that really connect me with you know the lessons I've learned about myself and 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 my ability to cope, and most importantly, my confidence in it.
0: Mm. I think of tattoo a tattoo. Yeah, tattoos, <laughs> totally. Yeah, that's that. a
1: way that a lot of people do it. Um, and again, I think it can be big things and small things. I think yeah. another big way that we do it, you know, everyone's got that song of like, you know, I'm like, I'm real down right now, so I need to pop on this song, and that's going to pump me up. And I'm going to feel more you know, like myself we're more able to deal with whatever I'm facing. So capture is really about just getting creative and trying to kind of find like that shortcut in your brain to say, okay, like I remember before I coped with this hard thing like this and maybe that worked, maybe it didn't work, but I can pull that data Mm. and use it now in an intentional way.
0: Yeah. That makes sense.
1: And then the final E is just endure. This is ongoing work. Yeah. you know, it's this is this is day in, day out. Like, made I know, it through the word, and we got to go back. And we got to go back yeah. and do it again. And I know and my clients are always like, "Oh, Lori, the work," and I'm like, "It doesn't stop. No, it doesn't stop." And and the truth is, is that when you are doing it right, there is a lot of joy and meaning that comes with this work. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, but it is very meaningful. And I just want to go ahead and put out there that I think we actually spend less energy when we consciously cope than if we just keep pushing things down, Mm. avoiding them, invalidating them, whatever it is. And so for, I think, a lot of people who maybe feel like, well, I don't have the energy to actually pay attention to my feelings or deal with them or face these challenges. Well, the truth is, is that you're already doing it. Mm. And maybe there's a more effective way to do it. Mm -hmm. Because all avoidance does is it just costs you energy. I like to think of it like it's the high interest credit card of coping mm. skills. There is a time to use it mm-hmm. for sure. But be real mindful when you do because there is there's a significant cost to it.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep. You're right. So
1: endurance is really about like how do you take care of yourself on the day to day? What are those small things that you do um, that really allow you to keep yourself in a space where you you have the energy to cope most effectively with whatever the universe throws at you any given day because there's always, there's always something. Always something. Always something. It's like what
0: being an adult
1: is. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. 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 It just like doesn't stop. (laughs) No. It doesn't stop. Sometimes we get like moments where like it ebbs a little bit, but then it picks back up. And so I think again, that's part of it is accepting like we're going to be coping the rest of your life. You're going to be coping. Yeah. How are you going to do it? Right, you might as well just start practicing. Exactly, spend your energy in a way that like brings you more versus gives you more to cope with because uh, there's enough already. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, I'm hearing you go through this like it sounds so helpful and it you know makes intuitive sense. But do you feel that there? We talked about kind of like this baseline, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do people need to kind of be at a certain baseline to be able? to practice some of these things and what I really think about is like for those people and I speak from personal experience of like not even maybe feeling worthy enough that like I deserve to do this work for myself
1: yeah totally yeah I can I can relate to that go
0: through that like get through that
1: well the first thing I really like to tell everybody is you can cope with tough things you can we all do every single day.
0: Like the thing is, is like, it won't kill you. No. Nope. It, maybe it would be nice sometimes if it did, but it doesn't, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, no. like you're still it standing. It may scare you,
1: overwhelm you, excite you, yeah. you know, terrify you, hurt all you. the things, hurt yeah. The, yeah, all the things. Um, but the truth is, is that you can cope with tough things. This is a very, um, fundamental intervention. Mm. I would say this, this intervention is, uh, really for anyone and, mm-hmm. and, and everyone. Now, that being said, everybody has their own mental health journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there are going to be more people that read the book that maybe will find um, some of the language uh, more accessible and some of the things that we that I talk about to maybe make more sense because they've already been on their own therapy journey yeah. or their own kind of discovery. And there's going to be some people that it's going to be like, wait, like like you said earlier, wait, I have a relationship with myself. Yeah. And I really, <laughs> I got to take a step back and think about that. Yeah, I think all of the individual skills themselves are incredibly accessible mm-hmm. and anyone can engage in them at any time. And I think the overall message of the book is like, Go easy on yourself. Yeah. Like this is a process and it's totally okay if you wake up tomorrow and you fall off the horse. I expect people to fall off the horse when it comes to effective coping. Yeah. The question is how quick can we get you back on? Yeah. Yeah, And, and that's the kind of thought process I really like to, you know, lead people with is that this is, this is about just putting some more skills on, you know, more tools in your toolkit, so to speak, um, and then allowing you to really do it at your own pace. Mm-hmm. Um, you are
0: the decision maker. You yeah, decide.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Now, the one thing I do like to tell people who's, you know, really struggle with that worthiness, um, is, and this is a little confrontational because I had a therapist do this to me once, um, and, and I found it really helpful, But that is to say that like, you know, your ineffective coping doesn't just impact you. Yeah. It impacts those around you. Yes, it does. And sometimes, you know, it's not that I'm suggesting that you change or do anything for anybody else, but sometimes that can be the motivation Mm. to get you going, to kind of say, is this isn't just impacting me, right it's, it's impacting my family, my friends, my community. yeah, you know and and because I care so much about those things, I'm going to work to really yeah um try to learn to care for myself a little bit differently,
0: yeah, we maybe have this fantasy of like, oh, yes, always like choosing ourselves first or like making changes or improvements because of our inherent worth. Mm-hmm. but the reality of it is I think a lot of times for people it's taking like, okay, well, I really love, I love this person or, you know, I, I care a lot for these relationships. And if I know, if I don't start to make these changes, yeah. these might be in jeopardy.
1: I mean, change is That's a just, scary yeah. thing. Yeah. It really is. Even, you know, planned exciting change, like, you know, launching a book yeah. um, <laughs> is, is really scary. Um, and that, and that is okay. And I think that, you know, whatever's going to get you to take that first step, that, I, I don't judge that. Yeah. At all. No, no, no. And and, and 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 at the end of the day too, I mean, you know, is, is conscious coping going to fix you? No. I don't believe that people need to be fixed. Yeah. I don't believe I it. That. Just yep. not into that. Mm-hmm. Is it going to radically change um your day to day? No, at least not immediately. But what it will do is it will help you to understand yourself in a way that you can stop fighting yourself over this. Yeah. And you can really oh. say, like, okay. These are challenging things, and I am well-equipped and confident in my ability to cope with them. Again, even if I don't like them, even if I don't understand them, even if they're ongoing, even if they're not my fault. Mm.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yep
1: all these things. So it, it really is, it's an intervention for everyone with the kind of understanding of like, I want everyone to be mindful of where, where they are uniquely mm-hmm. at in their own journey.
0: Mm-hmm. I already know two people I'm going to buy this book for.
1: That's awesome. Thank you. I'm very excited thank to give you, it thank to them. You. I'm going to give
0: it to them along with this podcast as like, here, you have a little audio appetizer before you can read the full oh, book.
1: <laughs> At me. That's awesome. Yeah. I really, I just, I hope it gets people thinking about things differently. And like, honestly, I mean, obviously, I want everyone to love it. But even yeah. if everyone was like, this is trash, but let's talk about mental health like this, I'd be like, so geeked. You know, like, you're and starting a conversation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I do think there's probably an infinite number of ways to consciously mm-hmm. cope. Mm-hmm. Embrace is just kind of my best guess. Yep. And um, I'm super excited about it um, and just, so jammed that it's out, and so so excited that I get to come and talk about yeah, it. Yeah,
0: no, I'm, I'm so excited to have you here. Um, so I, like I mentioned, I love to hear about how people take care of themselves. So, what are some of yes. your favorite forms of self care that really kind of get you to where you need to be?
1: So I've been into two things that are that are different for me recently. Um, the first is bird watching, <laughs>
0: <gasps> Lori. <laughs> I used to bird watch.
1: It's rad! I love bird watching.
0: I have had this conversation also with one other person on the podcast and it went just yeah. like this like they're like bird watching and I'm like stop it's <laughs> <That's laughs>
1: not amazing. every day you meet a birder yeah <laughs> <laughs> no I love it I, I go out in the mornings and this is I'm still working from home so I, I have the privilege of doing this Um, when we we moved into a new house a couple of years ago and when we did I found my dad's old binoculars yeah, from my, like the 70s
0: my grandpa gave me his from the navy yeah.
1: oh that's so cool uh-huh. so it's like it's like a double meaningful you yes. know what i mean like and so i like to just go out there and try i'm still not very good with the binoculars i'm getting better at like hearing them and yeah, seeing them hard. oh yeah. yeah it's a whole new it's a whole new thing uh, my husband bought me a whole book of birds yep, yep, i'm like yep. slowly going through yep, and trying yep. to figure that out but what I find that is so cool about it is like it—you can't not be present and birdwatch. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> like yeah. you got to be
1: really, really with it, really in that moment to be able to to I do it. Love this. I'm and so happy. it also usually needs to be somewhat quiet. Yeah, you know, to be able to hear that. So I yep. find that to be a very healing space. And then, actually, right before I came over here, I went to the art museum. <gasps> I love Since the Art, Art museum.
0: museum. Yeah, we can see it uh, right up
1: there. And so, I mean, to have a free museum with the type of collection that they have in such a beautiful environment, we are so lucky.
0: I know. I mean, it's like a regular Saturday thing for me. Oh, yeah.
1: I just I just like to go over there and I just kind of walk around. Yeah. Um, it's peaceful, it's quiet, it's usually very cool it is. in the summer. The yeah, air exactly, <laughs> yes. And I just, I find it to be a really good, like, especially if I'm feeling kind of like what we were talking about with driving, where it's like, oh, there's a lot going on, yeah. or I'm not quite sure what I feel. Something about just like walking through the art, allowing myself just to kind of go and yeah. be in that space, I find really therapeutic. So, um, I try and get over there at least once every couple of weeks, mm-hmm. um, to do that. And then I think the other thing that I've really been doing with myself, um, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, is I've been allowing myself to have some fun on social media. Yes. And good I for you. never I it's like totally not a social media person. I'm such an introvert. So the idea at the end of the day of like talking to more people after I get done with yeah. clients is like mm, not really <laughs> It's not innate to me, we'll yes, say. Yes, so yes. so so this is a new thing for me. But what I found is like I'm just having a lot of fun and I'm allowing myself to like, just, I don't know, be a weirdo and cope however I cope. I love that. I love it. I'm getting to know myself a different way through that. And that's really
0: fun. as being a weirdo on social media. (sighs) yeah, yeah,
1: that's fantastic. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I'm all in. Um, people can follow me at the coping queen. Yes, of course <laughs> I was gonna ask. <laughs> yeah. And this um, is on TikTok and Instagram. TikTok and Instagram. Oh, okay. Um, and I'm on Twitter too. Um, you know, because I had to find somewhere for my little snarky yeah. tidbits. Yep, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I am I am out there. I'm trying to spread the good word of about coping and um, coping effectively, um, and really just trying to bring a little bit of more fun yeah. to the conversation about mental health. Um like I said, I think the conversation's growing. I think there's a lot of good, but you know, I want to bring some razzle dazzle into it. A yes, little bit of yes. A little bit of fun. So that's so that's amazing. what I've been kind of up to. Yeah,
0: good. That's great. So I ask every guest who comes on the show this next question. Um, and I think it's, you know, really again like ties so much back to self-care, how we're taking care of ourselves yeah. care of ourselves. So the question is, what does being fit mean to you?
1: So for me, being fit is really about feeling strong yeah, um, and feeling capable to go and do the things that I want to or I feel like I need to do in that day. And I have an awesome trainer that I've been working with for a while, um, Erica Rooks. I got to give her a shout out. because uh-huh. She's so great. And she, when I went to her, I had that same kind of like you know, diet culture nonsense of like, I'm showing up here to lose weight and that's what I'm doing. And she really got me thinking about things differently. And I really connected with this idea of like, I just want to feel strong.
0: Yeah. I just want to
1: feel strong in my body and feel like I can move and feel like I have the freedom to do the things that freedom. I want to do.
0: Freedom. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
1: And that idea of strength with my body, first of all, it was super helpful because I just had two kids right in a row in the mm-hmm. pandemic and I got mm. to know my body in a different way. Oh, yeah. And it was really helpful to have that language as my body changed and stuff because it really was, it was not about how it looked or my appearance mm-hmm. or anything like that. It was just about like, did I feel strong? Yeah. And those experiences made me feel even stronger. So I'm very grateful for that. And then I think that, you know, the final piece of this too is like when you feel strong, you feel confident yep. that you can handle what's going to, oh, whatever's yeah. going to walk through that door. Absolutely. And that doesn't mean it's going to be quick or easy or painless, or you won't have to ask for help, but you can handle it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. The and I think you that strength
1: and that confidence, it, it's in my body, but it's also in how I take care of my mental health. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's really, really came up with the idea of like you can cope with tough things, but how you cope matters.
0: Yes. How you cope matters. I, I know my, think of it as like my easy coping path. I can reach for it quick and it's going to make me feel good in the moment, but it just prolongs. Or it just doesn't make me feel good in the long run. Yeah. It makes me, it ends up making me feel worse. Yep. For a minute, it might make me feel good. But yeah. at the end of the, at the end of the day, at the end of the week, the month, whatever, I'm left like then coping with the fact that I coped ineffectively yep. along with the other thing that I was coping yep. with. So it's yep. just like adding more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which absolutely. Which is not effective. But it's very human. Yeah. I mean, it's very learning. human. It's yeah. very human. And one thing I really like to tell all my clients, and I think I talk about it in the book too, is like, eh, you're going to have a day where it's like, nope. It's no, not, yeah, it's not happening today. You know, no, it's it's, it's just not happening. Yeah, or... and that's and that's that's what it is. Yeah, and again, okay, so you fell off the horse. How do we get you back on? Yeah, because it really the damage comes when we're off that horse for extended periods mm-hmm. of time, and we are built biologically, particularly again when trauma gets invited to the party to disassociate, to check out, to not pay attention to what's happening with us. Yeah, and when that happens over an extended period of time, that becomes quite. Quite problematic, quite costly, and ultimately can lead to things like pathology.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a good thing to remember. So, where can people purchase your book? Look up your book. Where yes. can I find it?
1: It's on Amazon, mm-hmm. um, in all formats now. Um, trying to get into some local retailers as well, but you know, just awesome. working on putting myself out there. Yep. Um, so, yeah, you can find it on Amazon. The full title is "Conscious Coping: How to Stop Fighting Your Mental Health, Embrace Your Challenges, and Learn a New Way to Cope." Love um it. and I'll have an audiobook coming out in a few weeks too, which was a whole right, other- did you record it yourself? I did. <gasps>
0: That's I so did. cool.
1: Yeah, it was it I, I I'll be honest, It was a very healing part for me too, you know, yeah. to to read, particularly I do talk about in the book um a little about my dad and yeah. what happened there. And so to record it and then listen to it back yeah. and hear that. Um, it was it was a quite powerful experience mm-hmm. for me. So a little bit of a, a coping bonus yep. in that way um, that it did it did help me process the experience a little bit and add a little bit more meaning if I could mm-hmm. even ask for more because there's so much in this project, <laughs> um, you know, kind of to the to the whole experience. Of yeah.
0: It. Oh, that's great. And we'll, I'll link it. I'll, I'll find it and yeah. link in the show notes and everything so people can easy access. But Lori, thank you so much for coming oh, on you and sharing. Thank you for having me. This was
1: so fun. Yeah, this
0: is super helpful. I know I've already, I'm absolutely, getting the book and I'm gifting the book to a few people as well. But even just this conversation just like got me percolating and, and thinking God, about that's, some different that things. That is so what yeah. I want.
1: I just, I just want us all to kind of take a step back, think about things a little bit differently and then continue to progress this conversation forwards. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, really, I think this is how we help and support each other as humans and future generations is like, it's real. It's yeah. a thing. So no, how do it, we deal with it? Right. <laughs> well, it just,
0: it just, what it really did, I think was kind of validate for me, like the ways that I'm coping because yeah. I have, will have such like a harsh critic and like an inside judgment voice of like, well, am I doing in the right coping way? Like, is this, you know, and like, yeah, no, I'm coping the way that I need to cope. And I know the difference when I'm taking care of myself coping and when I'm not, and I make my course corrections and like, I'm doing it.
1: Absolutely. And that's another really important point. I'm so glad you brought that up because Chrissy, you are the expert on you. Yeah. Nobody has the data as to how you are coping like you do. Right. And you might get feedback, you know, we might have people say like, Hey, you know, and and that's okay. You can take that or leave that, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. But at the end of the day, You are the expert on you. And I think that often when we encounter these abstract things like mental health, we're looking for anyone else to be the expert.
0: Oh, yeah. Tell me what to do.
1: Love that. Please. Um, But that's wasted energy. Yep. You're You're the one.
0: Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Everyone, go follow Lori at The Coping Queen. Check out her book. Um, If this episode was helpful for you, share it to your social media. Let other people hear uh, and get value too. Thanks so much.